What is prayer? Prayer is not sending God to run on your errands. A Christian can see more on his knees than he can from his feet. Prayer is not getting God prepared to do your will. Prayer is getting you prepared to do God's will. Prayer is the only way to release the supernatural power of God in your life, in your marriage, in your business, to show you great and mighty things that you know not. Prayer is the key that unlocks the gates of heaven and closes the gates of hell. Prayer has the power to cure sickness and disease. Prayer can shatter the shackles of misery and habit that are tormenting your life or the life of your son or daughter or the life of your husband or wife. Prayer does not need proof. Prayer needs practice. Intellectuals are now jabbering that God and heaven are far removed and far away. God is as close as your next prayer. If your marriage is under attack, pray. If your children are being tormented by the prince of darkness, pray. If your business is failing, pray. If you're fighting a deadly disease, pray. If you're lost and without God, pray. If your life is empty, if it's meaningless, if it seems to be hopeless, pray. 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 Because God answers prayer. A prayerless Christian is a weak Christian. A prayerless Christian is a miserable Christian. A prayerless Christian is a Christian who always lives in defeat. A prayerless church is a weak church. A prayerless nation is a defeated nation. A prayerless family will be a divided family. It has been said and bears saying again, the family that prays together stays together. God expects you every day of the week to pray for the people in your house. Somebody prayed for you. Who are you praying for? Why pray? Because God answers prayer. As powerful as God is, God cannot answer prayer until you pray it. The Bible says, what you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. The book of Isaiah says, command ye me. This is God speaking to man. Because in prayer, he has given you the authority to launch the initiative. Quit walking around in circles. Wring your hands saying, I wonder when God is going to do something. God in heaven is looking down at you and saying I have given you the authority of my name I have given you the power of my word I have given you the sanctity of my blood when are you going to use the power that I have given to you to blast the kingdom of hell off at the ground and announce that Jesus Christ is Lord the initiative rests with you for things that are impossible because with God nothing is impossible. Ask Him to defeat the giants in your life because our God is a giant killer. Ask Him to divide the sea before you and to bury Pharaoh and watch Him turn your enemies into fish food. Ask Him. Ask Him to send fire from heaven as He did for Elijah and He will. Ask Him to walk with you in the fire of the fiery furnace and be the fourth man in the fire and He will. He said you will walk through the fire and the fire will not burn you. You will walk through the water, and the water will not drown you. Ask Him. He's the God who cannot fail. He's waiting to show you great and mighty things. Pray, pray, pray. God in heaven wants you to have that power. Ask according to my infinite power. And God is saying, I want you to ask big. I, w I want you to, God said, I want you to make me to slide to the edge of my seat and say, wow.
Wow! Listen to what they're asking for. To move mountains, to heal incurable diseases, to restore dead marriages back to life, to send a financial harvest that their minds cannot fathom. I want you to know God wants to do that. God is in heaven saying, what do you need? Do you need healing? Ask in faith, believing, and I will give it. Do you need supernatural wisdom to make a tough decision? Ask of me, and I will lead you in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Do you need peace that surpasses understanding? Ask, 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 for nothing is impossible to those that believe. No good thing will he withhold from those that diligently seeking. Do you need the impossible? Then open your mouth. Open your mouth in faith, believing. You're not talking to the present of the United States. You're not talking to Bill Gates. Both of them together can't control their next breath. You're talking to the creator of heaven and earth. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He uses gold for asphalt on the streets of heaven. He moves mountains. He divides seas. He'll give you wells you didn't dig, vineyards you didn't plant, houses you didn't build. He will make you the head and not the tail because nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible to you. Hallelujah. That was a word that I wanted poured into every person here today. Pastor John Heggie. He has that voice. I need to start preaching like that. No, I don't. You know, what a topic. The perspective of prayer. How does prayer and what is, what is prayer like in our life? Why, why do we want to become closer? What is our relationship like with Him? Do we want to see the power of prayer? Do you say, well, I'm going to leave that up to the pastor? Or, or do you really want to say, you know, I want to have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to know what that personal language is. Where does that come into place? Maybe when I get to the end of myself, I've heard pastors say that, but maybe I'll start, maybe in my life I'll start praying because he'll put me in circumstances that, you know, I can start to sense the power and the presence of God and of the Holy Spirit. Today I want to speak to you on the perspectives on prayer. And today we focus on how to experience His presence in everyday life. The trophies up here you will see will help to assist me in illustrating the various topic that I'm going to be speaking about today and throughout this series. Our need to pray to God. And the various challenges and yet distractions that we often face when we pray. It will help me to teach you the basics on just how to pray. So as I begin my message this morning, I want to draw your attention to the room. An imagination that I want you to kind of focus on the room. Based on a statement that Jesus made in the middle of one of his teaching times while he was with his disciples. And yet other people he was with. And in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus instructed them on how to pray. And so I want to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Matthew chapter 6, 
And we'll start with verse 5, probably go down through verse 8. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. Can you imagine what it must have been like? And I'm just going to set this up while I uh, am helping out my assistant. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into that fiery furnace. And as I was sitting down there, I thought to myself, what if God put us through the fire? He always talks about the refiner's fire. But if he's going to put us through circumstances, why are we in that place? When you're in that place, you ask God to show up in your space. And when you're in that room or in that place... How is it that you communicate with him? Now stop for just a minute. We know and we've heard and we've been taught. You heard me say that earlier. What is prayer and how does that play out in our life? What, does, what do we say? One of the most uncomfortable things for any individual, especially Christians, then it shouldn't be that way, is can I ask you to pray? What is prayer like for you? Oh, I've never done that, Pastor. You mean... I'm going to speak in front of people. I've watched bullets pour from their head. When really we should be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and help people as they go into that room, as they experience that space, no matter what it's like, no matter what that relationship's like, if the Holy Spirit starts to encourage you, get out from your seat and go speak and pray with that person. Are you asking me to do something different? You know what I love about young people? I love that the the young adults are always in here. Let me explain something. Because here's how I feel. I was moved and God used me in my youth a lot. And God will do the same thing for every youth. When you surrender to allowing the Holy Spirit to move within you. You know, do you ever get that feeling? How many in this room have ever felt like you've heard this voice? Go pray for them. I want a show of hands. All right. The next thing I'm going to challenge you with is, did you? Did you stop what you were doing, move out of that comfortable space, and go to their place and say, I don't care what this sounds like, God, as I move over there, just fill me with the holy power and the Holy Spirit with your power and let me encourage them because, Lord, it's not my words, it's your words. That's prayer. So here's what it says in Matthew chapter 6. And, and I love because Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, when you're in the room. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, look, comma, he calls us out. So Jesus is speaking to the disciples. Now listen, church, he's, that's singular. That's not plural. That's you. Right now, He is speaking to you in this room. So be attentive today because God has something for you. But it says, but you, what's it say next? What's it say up here? When you pray, when you pray, am I, are you getting it? All right. 
go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. And when, what's it say again? When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask of Him. Oh, Father, I come before you right now, just me. In this space. Lord not to be like the hypocrites. Lord you know. You heard that I was called a hypocrite this week. Yeah. But I'm just going to stand up here. And share my heart with you. I know I'm not perfect. I'm imperfect. Lord I'm just up here to. To do your will. When I was called. When I was 15 years old. I didn't think what the future had Lord I know I'm just here here to be me but to reflect you so God today help us all to just be us and to reflect you Lord we don't need to use all those fancy words for Lord as I spend my quiet time with you and in that quiet private space in the room Lord, I know you're with me because you are Abba Father. You're my dad. And Lord, I don't say that to disrespect you. I'm only saying that because today, Father, I need you to speak through me. I don't want them to hear my words. I want them to hear God's word. So, Lord, as I strive to be better, help me not to be bitter. Lord, I release All of the the anxiety and the stress of this earthly life, I give it to you. And ask that you will show favor upon me. So, Father, forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. And, Lord, for everybody that's in this room, help us to feel your presence and your spirit. And, Lord, right now there's some that are in this room that are praying. You hear their petition. So, God, we cry out to you today. Father, you are glorified. Father, sometimes I don't even want to open up my eyes because I just want to stay in this room where we're at and and to experience your presence and your touch and your anointing and your covering upon me. But God, I know we can't do that for we all have busy schedules. So God, we thank you that you are here with us and for us today. We thank you for your presence. God, we ask that you'll speak to our hearts today. Sorry, Lord, we've disappointed you. Sorry we've let things in, in our hearts that shouldn't be there. Maybe for some of us, the secret place of our heart, we've, we have sin that we're harboring. So God, forgive us of it. Cleanse us and deliver us. Not just in any name, but in the powerful name of Jesus. And I ask this in your holy name. Amen. So why did Jesus instruct them to get alone and pray? I want you to take note of these two reasons. Number one, the temptation to use vain 
repetitions goes away. Because there is no one around to impress. And then number two, when you are alone, you can practice. You can be real. You can be intimate. And you can have a soul-searching kind of prayer. So what is the perspective on prayer? Few Christians have anything but a vague idea of the power of prayer. Fewer still have any experience of that power, yet the church seems almost wholly unaware of the power of God. The church seems almost wholly unaware of that power of God and puts into her hand this spiritual carte blanche on the infinite resources of God's wisdom. And power is rarely, if ever used, never used, to the full measure of honoring God. And it is astounding how poor the use, how little the benefits. However... Prayer is our most formidable weapon, but the one in which we are the least skilled and the most adverse to use. That didn't come from me. That came from Ian Bounds. We want New Hope Talmadge to be a church fully engaged in prayer, fully aware of its power, fully committed to its use. And fully convinced of our need for prayer. What if we had the room, in quotes, where there are no windows? It is closed off, but the closed off room still has a view. How? How is that possible? Because it is a view of your heart. What do you do in here? We'll provide a portrait, a view of your heart. I want you to see, this is indeed a room with a view. But you decide what you look at. You decide what you focus on. You decide what consumes your time in this room. And yet you set the view. God provides the environment for us. God provides the opportunities for us. God provides the access for us. But it's up to you to take full advantage of the opportunity. And it is this view that I want to focus our attention on this very morning today. For what we focus on in life will either point us to God or point us away from God. And sometimes things that point us away from God are things that enter into our life. Like challenges, struggles, sicknesses, sometimes losses in life. Even though these things are from the outside, we should and must still keep our focus on the Lord. But today, I want to focus in the next few minutes on the things that point us away from God are the things that are self-imposed that we put in front of our own eyes that cause our attention to be drawn away and that causes our attention to be drawn away from God. 
So notice if you can, if you can imagine, in this room are a bunch of things. For example, and I'll probably bring this up in some of my messages, a table. Maybe a table with a, a writer's pad, and we'll explain the significance in the coming Sundays. Maybe there's a mirror, a table full of presents, but you notice that right by the door is a trophy case. You're probably noticing that right up here by the altar are some trophies. That was back in the day when I was quite the athlete. <laughs> Why did you laugh like that? Because you know that they're not my trophies, they're Jake's trophies. I needed my son-in-law. I said, hey, we need something. He goes, I need to call mom. I think they're packed up. I'm like, okay, that's a good place for them, right? Packed up, preserving them, right? But why for the trophy case? Why are the trophies right by the door? Now watch what takes place here. It's because it is this self-imposed item that often keeps us from entering any further into this room of prayer. It is what is on the shelves that so often draw our attention away from entering into prayer. So let me explain this to you this morning. These trophies represent our own successes. And often when we become recipients of many, many successes in life, there is a very big temptation to depend on self. And not on God. So let me share this. Let me share a familiar verse which many of us know. And, and I hope that we'll, we'll see it differently today regarding focusing on successes rather than God has done for you. And what his holiness is about. Let's look at James chapter 4 verse 8. James chapter 4 verse 8. By the way, I have to tell you, I was asked last week, what does the Bible decree and what does that mean? And I was telling some people why we have the Bible decree here. And I said... And it's so cool for me. So while I was sitting up here, I turned around. I love that you have your Bibles. I love that we can get out of the car. You grab your purse. You grab your Bible. You grab your iPhone, your iPad, or whatever it is you're using to take notes. But you get to walk into the sanctuary of praise, the sanctuary of prayer, this place where we get to open up God's Word and hear from Him. That's exciting. How do you hear from God if you don't have His Word? So we need his word to be relevant and present. Here's what John, James 4, 8 says. Draw near to God and he will draw near to... Draw near to God and he will draw near to... Right? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I'd like to share with you three realities about pursuing intimate prayer from this little verse. Reality number one. God will respond to your faithful pursuit to find him through what? Through prayer. And if you will, if you're taking notes, leave that up there for just a minute. Let's not be in a hurry. I want you to say, God will respond to your faithful pursuit to find, circle that, underline it, him through prayer. So now we're seeking and we're finding him. So the first part of James chapter 4 verse 8 says this. Draw nigh to God and he will draw near to you. So as you draw near to him, he will do what? He will draw near to you. Okay, now we're together. Once you are a child of God, the level of intimacy and fellowship that you enjoy with your creator is contingent on your desire, passion, and discipline to pursue him. 
Your level of intimacy with God is up to you. Now, I'm not saying that salvation is conditional. We believe in eternal security, not what some theologians call conditional security, meaning you can lose it if you ever choose to walk away. I'm not saying that today. Nor am I saying that works create holiness and righteousness in a person. I didn't say that. I'm just repeating what the Bible has to say here. Namely, that God won't force intimacy upon you. You have to demonstrate a personal desire, a longing to pursue him. And if so, he will make sure that you find what you are looking for. But here's what the good news is, that if you passionately desire to draw near to God, he will do what? He will draw near to you. That's his promise. And it is a promise. This reality is made all throughout the Bible. So let's read together Second Chronicles 15 verses 1 through 4. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Do you see that? Are you drawing nigh to him? Are you forsaking him? For a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. You have to seek him in order to experience him. How do we do that? We do that through prayer. Zechariah chapter 1. So we're looking at Zechariah. It's the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then I'll highlight 6. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechai, the son of Iddo, the prophet, saying, The Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets preached, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds, but they did not hear nor heed me, says the Lord. And then we look at verse 6. Yet surely my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they returned and said, just as the Lord of hosts determined to do so, according to our ways and according to our deeds, so he has dealt with us. Then we're going to look at Malachi chapter 3. We'll do this quickly. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 7. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances, have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return to you? Reality number two. God will respond to your faithful pursuit to know him through prayer. God will respond to your faithful pursuit to circle know him through prayer. So the latter part of James chapter 4 verse 8 says this, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, 
Purify your hearts. I'm going to show you this, and I want you to stay with me. The word hands is often used in the Old Testament and in the New Testament to symbolize the heart. That's why priests would wash their hands before entering the Holy of Holies as a symbol for all to see that they proclaimed, just as my hands are clean, I'm going into the presence of God with a pure heart. And in essence, in a couple different ways, he is referring to the same thing. And Jewish writers often repeated the point in slightly different ways to really make their point stick. This is actually called parallelism. And what that means is cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. And the point is very simple this morning. Purify your heart to enter into intimate prayer with God. Meaning, you just can't live the unexamined life and expect that God will reward a sinful life with intimate fellowship. Now, God understands that we indeed sin as believers in our lives. And I love what James says actually there. He calls us, he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Wow. Pastor, you're really getting on it today. That's probably what you're thinking to yourself. I mean, that's a way to really condemn me for who I am. But here's what I want you to see here this morning. God understands that we indeed sin. We are sinners as believers. So it is not that you have to get cleaned up prior to coming to God, but you do need to talk to him about the sin and challenges in your life. Confess them and tell God you're sorry. This is truly the beginning of intimate prayer. What does 1 John 1, 9 says? It says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The observation, observation is made throughout the Bible as well. And it says in Psalms 24, verse 3, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And then Psalms 145, 17 through 20 says this, the Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all of his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him and to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desires of those who fear him. He also will hear the cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Again, it is not that you are excluded from worshiping God, no matter what you have done. The Bible says, though, that when you enter into your prayer closet, that the first item of business on your list should be to do what? To examine your heart. Examine yourself. Confess sin so that you can enjoy the full measure of your fellowship with God. But it is the last phrase that really highlights the problem with why we don't experience intimate prayer. Reality number three, God will respond to your faithful pursuit to need him through prayer. If we seek him, then we find him, then we need him. He wants to be faithful when we need him. I want you to look to the person and say, I need the Lord. We all need the Lord. 
James 4, verse 8, in the latter part, it says, Do this, purify your hearts, you double-minded. James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, here's what it says. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let no man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. All right, here we are. The term double-minded. Now, this is a great lesson for all of us understanding theology and doctrine today. What is double-minded? How does this play out? It's a very unique term found only in the book of James. Yet in these two verses, in James 1, verse 8, and then in James chapter 4, verse 8, the word literally means two-souled, or a heart that is turned in two different directions. You see, a person who focuses on his or her successes, his or her accomplishments, his or her accolades, is in actuality a person who doubts God's power. Because this person is actually focusing on another source in which to place his or her faith. And the person that does this is really on dangerous ground. For the person is promised spiritual instability and a lack of intimacy with God through prayer. So why? Let me say this quickly. Because double-mindedness stops you at the door and says, hey, you don't have to go any further, any deeper into the prayer room of your heart. You're doing just fine. Listen, you're doing just fine all on your own. You've got this. Just look at your success. Who else can tot overflowing amounts of successes like you? You're amazing. You're doing just fine. Listen, everyone look at you and think you are a strong man of God or a strong woman of God at your church. Sounds like they're all just stating the obvious. More blessings, more trophies, the more spiritual you are. And we believe the lie and forget our need for God. Do I hear an amen? amen. We believe the lie and we forget our need for God. So listen, you look at these trophies and we can get so caught up with our own successes. Like our brilliance, our intelligence, or maybe our accomplishments or our compliments. And we have bought into it all. And we think that we don't need God. Well, I'm here to tell you, let's revisit each one and see what God says about each of these trophies we focus our attention on. One very quickly, our brilliance or intelligence. God says that our own wisdom will not gain you intimacy with God. In 1 Corinthians, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But he says, But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Number two, our accomplishments. God says that our own efforts have never brought about miraculous spiritual accomplishments. It is God, and it is God's power through His name, Jesus, that miracles are done in the lives of people. I love what it says in Acts chapter 3, verse 11. 
Verse 12, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. It is his name, Jesus, through faith in his name that has made us strong, whom you see and whom you know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of all. I don't want to lose you because we're winding things down. Number three, our compliments. God says not to listen to words that will foster conceit or selfish promotion and to get our eyes off of ourselves. What is prayer? It's, it's about God. It's about him. It's about our relationship. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, Let nothing be done, listen church, through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. So here's the point of today's message. If our eyes are on ourselves, our accomplishments, then we simply won't get past the door. And we will never, and we will not experience true intimacy With God through prayer. How many of you have a trophy case? How many of you have trophies? How many of you have awards and things that you look at? If you have a trophy case, you understand now what you need to do with them. We sit down and we stare at them. We focus on them. We polish them over again and again. And yet we position and we reposition them again and so to create the best most impressive view for those who pass by but here's the problem we find comfort in the presence of our successes and not in the presence of almighty god so as i close it says in matthew chapter 6 verse 19 do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal You know that we've had to lean on prayer. Many of us know the power of prayer. And many of us in this church have had to lean on prayer. I, as your pastor, have leaned heavily on prayer for his guidance, direction, provisions, just to move ahead. I've expressed the importance and value of praying together in Jesus' name. It is not just a nice thing to do. It is the necessary thing to do. And for the next few weeks, I feel compelled to draw our attention to serious, intentional prayer for His name to be magnified and for His name to be glorified. Not just to be seen outside the walls, but to be seen in this place. But His glory will not be seen if we sit back and focus on what God has done and attribute the successes to ourselves. However, while we're on the mountaintops, I want you to think of this. We must still remember God and what He's done. While we have good health, we must still focus our hope in Christ. While our job is secure and yet successful... We must depend on the Holy One who is the giver of all blessings. And you must say, it must and will begin with me. Our greatest fear 
should not be what we fail, but what we succeed in things that do and truly matter. Nothing of eternal significance ever occurs apart from prayer. A man is what he is on his knees before God and no more. You hear what I'm saying? A man is what he is on his knees or her knees before God and no more. And all of our failures are prayer failures. So church may I encourage you to start today. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Give God his place. A place in your heart. A place in your room. Commit to him your space. Give him your room. Give him that secret place. I was studying last night and my wife was in bed and I went down and I knelt next to my bed and I don't normally do this, but as I went down, I, I, I squatted to, to pray as, as I always do, but I was in a different setting and I leaned up against the bed and, and I'm ashamed to say this, but church, I want you to make this personal and real for you. As I bowed my head, I leaned against my bed and I said, God, I, I need to confess my sins before you. I need you to purify my heart. Cleanse me. Take my hands. Take everything about me. And then I just leaned against the bed in such disgrace and humility and embarrassment and shame. For I said, God, I was challenged tonight to learn how to pray. I need your help. So God started speaking to me and he said, Todd, pray upward. And I had to actually sit there and say, God, how do I pray upward right now? Oh God, you are the Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You're the first, you're the last. You're all knowing. You're omniscient. You're all powerful. You know everything. Why do I keep praying for myself? I, I paused for just a minute and I thought, well, why do I always go to prayer? Because I, am I at loss for words what to say? Why is it always about me and my personal situation? And I couldn't magnify God. I didn't understand it nor experience and how to really praise the name of Jesus. And then he said, well, Todd, pray outwardly. Okay. All right, I'm going to start with all the deacons, trustees, treasurer, his wife. And then, Lord, you know, I thank you for their influence in my life. Why did it go back to me again? And I sat there embarrassed, almost to say, you know, God, I've been doing this for a long time. You and I have been talking. I have been on my knees every morning and every night through prayer, and I've lost really how to talk to you. Can I just talk to you like you and I are like... Out of the campground or something? Like sitting around a fire? And I felt this peace overcome me. Listen, this is a true conversation. And I said, so I'm going to pray for myself. Here's where I'm at. So I went upward, outward, inward. And you've heard me do that model before. But I said, you know, God, I need to draw nigh to you. I need to draw near to you. God, come to me right here 
right now, I give you this secret place of my heart. I give you my life, and I'm sorry I've been a disappointment. I'm sorry I've let people down. I'm sorry I should have acted this way or maybe talked this way. Maybe I should have expressed something in a different way. Lord, I know that in my heart I'm harboring bitterness, and God, I need you to help me with this. So I know that you are all-powerful. I know that I can come to you in prayer. I know that you can deliver me from what I'm in, and I'm giving it to you right now in the name of Jesus, and I'm releasing it. You said in your word that it will be loosed, and so I'm loosing it to you right now. It is free and free indeed in Jesus' name. And yet, we all go to prayer, and sometimes we don't even know what to say. And that's when I'm reminded that he said, be still and know that I'm God. So I'm just quiet. They said, I'm no better than anybody else in this room. I just surrendered. There's a song that was out. And it's been put out by the Booth brothers. And it's called The Secret Place. And today I know that the Holy Spirit is in this place. And I know for many of us we've made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But that's where it stopped. We chose not to go to the next place. Nothing's going on outside these walls that we need to be concerned about right at this moment. What we need to be concerned about right at this moment is what are you going through in your secret place? Can you not get into the room because all you can think about is your own successes? Can you not get to God in prayer because all you can think about is your own personal accomplishments? You haven't done anything. God has done everything. And we need to surrender to that. I'm going to ask you today, as this song plays, and it talks about this. My heart is like a house. It is a room. And today I'm going to surrender the keys to this room and I'm going to hand them back to you, God. And I'm going to say, you have an open access to my room. I'm going to get rid of all my trophies, all of my accomplishments, all of my successes. I'm getting them out of my trophy case. I'm going to put them away. And now I'm going to follow you in a way I've never done that before. And it starts on my knees and it starts in prayer not laying down on your back looking up it starts getting on your knees and today God my heart is like a house my heart is like a room and today I surrender everything to you you know the crap that I have in my heart you know what I've carried into this room or maybe outside the room because I haven't been able to get past my own self well today you need to surrender that maybe you need to get with your wife maybe you need to get with your husband Maybe you need, as soon as the song starts, you need to come to the altar. You need to humble yourself. Don't sit in your seat. You give it to God. You fill up the floor. You fill up the... Just give it to God today. Demonstrate your measure of love for Him, that He is a priority in your space, in your room. And if you can't humble yourself before him, then right now is why you need a little bit of a self-evaluation because it says you're but and you are a sinner. Cleanse your hearts, purify your hearts, and turn your heart towards home. Turn your heart back to me. Will you do that today, church? Do you receive that today? If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you say, Pastor, I need to accept you. I need to accept the Lord as my personal Savior, 
and I need saved today, remember, your accomplishments aren't yours. They're His. And He wants the credit for everything He's done in your life. When was the last time you thanked Him? When was the last time you said, God, here I am. I'm just going to be quiet. So if you'll rise to your feet, let us pray. I'm going to pray, and as this song comes on, maybe it's uncomfortable. We're breaking down the barriers of uncomfortableness, right? Because we're all here together, right? We're in this place. We're in this space. We're in this room. And we're giving it to God. Do you receive that today? Are you ready to give it to Him? When was the last time you prayed with your family? When was the last time you earnestly shared your heart and said, God, here I am. When was the last time you prayed over your lovely fiance? Because you two just got engaged. Congratulations. When was the last time you said, here I surrender him. I surrender her. Lord, I give you everything I have. It's yours. And let him start to use you. Lord, we come before you. God, and today many of us have this secret place in our heart. Maybe we have some secret rooms. Maybe we've never even entered into the room. Well, God, as we come before you today and as Jesus was teaching his disciples, we're not going to use fancy words. We're just going to be simple. We're going to come before you. Here we are. Use us. Mold us. Reshape us. Make us. Not because we are somebody important, but because we're your child. So, God, I ask that you'll move within this sanctuary. Lord, I feel your presence. I feel your spirit. And, God, I ask that you'll move immediately upon those that are in this room that you have tugged their heart. So, God, we surrender that to you today. And, Lord, we praise you. Lord, if there's somebody here today that needs deliverance, Lord, you do it. And, Lord, I know if you're speaking to them, Lord, I pray that they'll move upon your prompting. What if this was the last time you spoke to their heart? Because they closed that door to that room. So God, open us up. Open up our hearts. Let us be receptive to your will today. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Would you come?